0: Take our Bibles this morning and turn to Isaiah chapter 9. Hmm. Isaiah chapter 9, and I'm just going to read verse 6 again before we have a word of prayer. Isaiah 9, verse 6 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Let's have a word of prayer. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we do thank you, Lord, for this most wonderful day. We thank you, Lord, for this time that we can come once again to spend around your Word. And Lord, we pray that you would bless as we continue uh, looking at Isaiah chapter 9. We pray, Lord, that you would give us understanding of your Word this morning. Lord, you would speak to our hearts through your Word. Lord, I pray that you would empower me through your Holy Spirit now, that, Lord, everything I say would be your words and your thoughts, Lord, you take your word and teach us and instruct us through it. May we leave this place singing your praises this morning, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So far in our study Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6, we've seen the first three names, we've looked at the name Wonderful, Counselor and the Mighty God, and this morning we come to the fourth name that's given to the Messiah, the fourth name given to our Lord, which is the Everlasting Father. Now, the fact that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is called the Everlasting Father at first seems a bit strange. It seems to be a bit of a mystery why Christ would be called the Everlasting Father. Because, you know, Lord Jesus Christ is indeed the Son of God. He is fully God, equal with God, the Father. And he is indeed of the same essence. But Christ is not the Father. They're two distinct persons of the Godhead. So what is meant here then when we read that he is the everlasting Father? What's it talking about here? What does it mean? If it's not saying that he is God the Father, what is this title, this name saying and what does it mean? Well, the answer lies in the Jewish use of the word Father. You see, to an Old Testament Jew who reads Isaiah and uh, reads this passage, this title, the everlasting Father... The word father here to them would mean originator or source of, or the author of. We see an example of this in John chapter 8 verse 44 where Christ says that Satan is the father of all lies. And Christ is simply saying there that lying originated with Satan. He's the originator of it, the author of it. So here when Christ is called the everlasting father, what the prophet is really saying is that Christ is the father of of that which is everlasting. Christ is the source of eternity or eternal life. You know, eternity is a concept that you and I have a hard time understanding. We have a hard time as humans wrapping our minds around this truth that Christ is eternal, that God is eternal. You know, that He has no beginning and no end. He has always existed and He will always will continue to exist. That's a hard concept for us to understand. You see, God dwells outside the the realms of time and space, but we are inside the realm of time and space. So it's hard for us to comprehend eternity and what it means. But you know, God has made us so that we will continue to exist in eternity once we die. We don't cease to exist, whether we're saved or unsaved, we don't cease to exist, we can to exist either in hell or in heaven with Him. And so He has made us for eternity. And God's desire is that we experience eternity with Him, not apart from Him. You know, it's only through Christ, the everlasting Father, that that's possible. And So this morning I want us to consider just two truths concerning Christ, our everlasting Father. Firstly, Christ as the everlasting Father came to reveal eternity. He came to reveal eternity unto us. Go to 1 John. 1 John this morning. 1 John chapter 1. We are going to be turning to various different passages, so be aware of that and be prepared to, to follow me this morning. 1 John chapter 1, but we're going to start there. In first one, verse 1 of chapter 1 it says, that which, we, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. Now in First John here we see that Christ, the word of life, the eternal word of life, left heaven's glory. Why? To reveal... Unto us, to make manifest unto us eternal life. Eternity. Indeed, he himself is called eternal life in verse 2. Okay, it says, For the life was manifest, that's Christ, and we have seen it and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father, it's talking about Christ, was with the Father and was manifested unto us. You see, this is why Christ left heaven's glory. This is why Christ came. He came to reveal unto you and I the eternal. To reveal unto us eternal life. You see, as I said in the introduction, we were created for eternity. God has made us. Made for eternity. And the reality is that you and I cannot be happy, cannot be satisfied, unless we are going to enjoy that eternity with God. We can't be satisfied, can't be happy, apart from eternity with God. You see, man's desire, man's longing within is the eternal. God has built us that way. God has made us that way. Go to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 11 says, He hath made everything beautiful in his time. Also he hath set the world in their heart so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. In the middle of that verse there where it says, also he hath set the world in their heart. The words translated the world there are actually the words eternity. He has set eternity in their hearts. God has put eternity in our hearts as a void within. In other words, God has placed you and I a desire To apprehend the everlasting, a desire for eternal life. That's within every man, our desire for the eternal. He's put that desire within. You know, how can you and I obtain something that we know nothing about? Because that's the reality. There is a void within, a void that needs to be filled. But how can we fill that void if we know nothing about the eternal? How can we fill that void if we know nothing about God? How can we obtain it unless it is revealed unto us? You know, certainly something of the eternal, something of God, is revealed to us in creation and indeed in the giving of the law. You know, these revelations by God were incomplete. Okay, They reveal something to us about God, but they're not the complete picture. They don't reveal everything to us about the eternal. You know, creation reveals to us that God is all-powerful. That God is mighty, that God is eternal. But you know, it reveals little to us about God, about God's grace, about God's mercy. The law likewise reveals that God is just, that God is holy. It reveals that he desires us to live holy lives. But the law cannot change our hearts. Indeed, creation and the law reveal something to us about God. They reveal something about the eternal, but they don't give us the complete picture. And so in Christ, however, God saw fit, saw fit for eternity to invade time. God saw fit to reveal unto us the eternal. You see, Christ, the eternal Son of God, the everlasting Word, left heaven's glory and was made in the likeness of men. Eternity invaded time and space and was revealed unto us. You know, as the perfect God-man here on earth, Christ revealed... Eternity unto us. He revealed it unto us. He showed us what it's like to live by the eternal. To live with eternal values, eternal views. You know, Christ lived and spoke as no one else has ever or ever will. Go to John chapter 6. John chapter 6 and verse 68. We'll Starting verse 67, it says, Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will you also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. You know, Peter understood that there was something different about Christ. He understood there was something different about Christ's words. Christ's words were the words of eternal life, Christ's words were different. And this is what Christ came to do. Christ came to reveal unto us eternal life. His words revealed that unto us. His words revealed that unto his disciples. He came to reveal the eternal and make it available unto us. You know, everything about Christ's life was geared towards this, um, this revelation. You know, his deeds had the quality of the eternal. His deeds here on earth revealed the eternal unto us. He spoke as no man had ever spoke. He lived as no man ever lived. His values were the eternal values. You know, you just think about the way he treated publicans and sinners. You know, the religious leaders of the days treated them like the plague. Treated them with disdain, with disgust, as outcasts to be rejected. Christ, however, viewed them as lost sheep in need of a shepherd. You see, Christ viewed them through the eyes of the eternal. Christ's values were eternal values. See, the point is, everything Jesus talked about, everything he touched, everything he did took upon it a new dimension because Christ is the everlasting Father. It took upon it an eternal dimension because he is the Father of eternity. You know, being fallen, sinful creatures, on our own we can't see the eternal, there's a void within. And we want that void to be filled, but we can't fill that void. Because we can't see the eternal. We can't understand the eternal. See, we can't see past the temporal. We can't see past the concerns of this life. You know, there's more than just, much more to life than what meets the eye. Now, we know there's something missing, but we can't see it on our own. And that's what Christ came to do. Christ came to reveal eternity Unto us to reveal eternal values, to reveal eternal life unto mankind. Secondly, this morning we see that Christ the ever, everlasting Father came so that we might actually have eternal life, came so we might have eternal life. Go to John chapter 10. John 10 verse 10 it says the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly drop down to verse 28 of the same chapter it says and I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand <clears throat> you see Christ says <clears throat> our everlasting father came not only to reveal unto us eternity reveal unto us the eternal, but he also came so that we might actually have eternal life. So we might have eternity. Verse 10 makes this plain. Christ came into the world wise so that we might have life and we might have it more abundantly. Verse 28 says the same thing. And I give unto them eternal life. This was his purpose, not just to reveal it unto us, but to make it available unto us. Now, of course, there is a great obstacle that needs to be overcome if you and I are going to obtain the eternal. If we're going to ob- obtain this eternal life, there is an obstacle that must be overcome, and that obstacle, of course, is sin. You know, sin is the thing that prevents us from experiencing eternal life right and away. It's the thing that prevents us from experiencing the eternal, having that fellowship, having that relationship with God. Sin is the hindrance. Go to Romans chapter 5. Romans 5 verse 12 says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. You know, here we see clearly that when Adam sinned, he did so representing you and I. He did so representing all mankind. When Adam sinned, we all sinned. When Adam sinned, we all became sinners. We are all born with a sin nature. You know, the consequence of that sin is death. Death. You know, as Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. The consequence, the penalty for sin is death. You know, we've mentioned it many times before, but death there is talking about much more than just physical death. It's talking about a separation, an eternal separation from God. You see, death is the thing that hinders us from experiencing eternal life. Our sin leads to death, leads to separation from God. You know, God wants us to experience the joys of eternal life. That's God's desire for mankind. That's always been God's desire. When God created man, that's what he wanted. Us to experience eternal life with him, to have that relationship with him sin is the obstacle in the way. Sin prevents us from experiencing that relationship. And so therefore for us to experience this eternal life, this wonderful life of fellowship with Him, sin must be dealt with. And that obstacle must be removed and that's what Christ came to do. See, Christ came to reveal the eternal unto us, but Christ also came to reveal, sorry, to remove that obstacle so that we might have eternal life he did so by dying on the cross for you and i you know this was always god's plan from the very beginning it was always god's plan that the eternal son of god would come and dying our place to provide a way of salvation you know he was not caught off guard when adam and eve sinned when adam and eve sinned in the garden god was not caught off guard he wasn't taken aback he wasn't surprised by their actions God knew that they would sin. Did God make them sin? No. God knew they would sin. Why? Because he'd given them a free will. God wanted them to have a free will. He wanted us to have a free will. And God knew that they would, by exercising their free will, that they would sin against him. And so God already had a plan of salvation, a way for you and I to experience the eternal. Go to 1 Peter chapter 1. First Peter chapter one and verse twenty. Starting verse nineteen, it says, But with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. It tells us that God foreordained this when before the foundation of the world. That's when God determined that he was going to send his son to to provide this way of salvation, to remove the obstacle. It was before the foundation of the world. Revelation 13 verse 8 says the exact same thing. That it was before the foundation of the world. You see, God's plan of salvation was not a hasty afterthought. It wasn't a band-aid solution that God just dreamed up. God knew in eternity past what he was going to do for you and I in eternity future, God knew what He was going to do. God, before the foundation of the world, knew He would send His Son to remove this obstacle between us and Him. Go to Ephesians chapter three. Ephesians three speaks about God's eternal purpose. Ephesians verse eleven. It says, "According to the eternal purpose." which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. This was his eternal purpose. You know, when Christ was born in a manger in Bethlehem all those years ago, God's eternal purpose was fulfilled. God's eternal purpose came to fruition. Christ, the eternal Son of God, left heaven's glory and became a man so that mankind might have eternal life. You know, as the perfect Son of God, the perfect God-man, he lived a sinless life. And in doing so it made it possible for him to be our perfect representative. Like Adam represented us in the garden and Adam sinned and we all became sinners. Christ now could represent us on the cross and through Christ we could all be made righteous. Through Christ we can all experience the eternal. You see as he, as he hung on the cross and paid the price for our sin He died as a sinless substitute for you and I. For me, for you, for all mankind, he died as a sinless substitute. And in doing so, he purchased our eternal redemption. Go to Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews 9 and verse 12. It says, neither by the blood of goats and cows, but by his own blood. He entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. You know, here it speaks about Christ acting as our great high priest and entering in once into the holy place with his blood. Why? To obtain eternal redemption for us. Eternal redemption. You see, with his precious blood... He has made it possible for us to experience the eternal. With his precious blood, he has redeemed us. The payment has been made. God's righteous demands have been satisfied. 1 John 2.2 says he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. Propitiation speaks about God's righteous demands being satisfied. Christ is that satisfaction. His sacrifice has made made the way open for us as sinners now to share in eternity with God. Hebrews 9 again in verse 15. It says, And for this cause he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. You see, in Christ we now have the promise of eternal inheritance. Inheritance. It's made possible because, of, because He is the everlasting Father. It's the whole point of this title. It's all made possible because of Him. He is the author of eternity. He is the Father of eternity. And He is able to give us this promise of eternal life. You know, it's freely offered to all. That's what Romans 6.23 says, isn't it? For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, what is eternal life? Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, this is a glorious truth, is it not? That Christ, the everlasting Father, has made it possible for you and I to now receive the free gift of your life. All because of what he did on the cross. And all we have to do is simply believe. John 3.15 says that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Faith is all that's required. Indeed, it's through Christ that we obtain this eternal life. It's through Christ that we now have this life. Through faith in Him. You know, without Christ, we would spend eternity lost. Separated from God. We would spend eternity in the lake of fire. It's only because of Christ, the everlasting Father, that this is made possible. You know, Christ was born in a manger all those years ago for this purpose. To reveal Eternity unto us and to make eternally available unto us. He was born to die. You know, once we place our faith and trust in him, eternal life is ours. It's ours. We possess it now. It's something that is our possession. Not something we're going to get. It's something we already have. If you're here this morning, you know, Lord Jesus Christ, your Savior, you have eternal life already. Go to John chapter 10 again. John 10. John 10, verse 28, which we read before, it says, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. I give unto them eternal life. We already possess it. It is given unto us at session. The verb give here is in the present tense. And so the idea is that we have been given this now, presently. Not future, it's ours now, at salvation. It doesn't say that he will give us eternal life in the future, but rather that we already possess this. It's a present reality. Once we place our faith and trust in him, we have the gift of eternal life. You know, John three thirty six reiterates this point where it says he believeth, he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life presently. It doesn't say shall have, shall get sometime. It's hath everlasting life. And you know because we have this eternal life already, because it is a present reality for us as Christians it means that you and I can experience the blessings of eternal life right now You see, eternal life is much more than living forever. Much more than living forever. And we've got to understand that. We've got to get our heads around that. It's more than just living forever. As we said at the start, the unsaved, they will live forever as well. They will live forever in hell. In the lake of fire, separated from God. And so eternal life is not about living forever. Eternal life is about living forever with God. It's about a relationship with God. You see, eternal life is speaking about spiritual life. You and I have been made alive spiritually. And now we are able to have fellowship with Him. Go to John chapter 17. Because John 17 clearly states this for us. John 17, just beginning verse 1. says, These words spake Jesus and lifted up His eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify Thy Son, that Thy Son also may glorify Thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they may know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. You no, know, verse 3 here makes it plain, makes it clear what eternal life is. This is life eternal, that they may know thee, the only God, true God, and Jesus Christ. This is eternal life. Eternal life is the ability now to have fellowship with God, to know God. You see, without Christ, we are spiritually dead. We are separated from Him for all eternity. We cannot experience the eternal. But now through Christ, we are able to know God. In Christ, we are quickened, we are made alive, able to have fellowship with Him. What a wonderful blessing it is to have eternal life. It's because we have eternal life you and I can come boldly and earn of grace and make our request known unto our heavenly Father and then we hear and answer our prayers. It's because we have eternal life. It's because we have eternal life we can go to the Word and we can have the Spirit reveal unto us these great truths and God speaks to us. And we get to know Him better. It's because we have eternal life. It's all possible because of Christ, the everlasting Father. We know the best, of course, is yet to come. Because Christ will indeed one day come back and take you and I home to glory where we will dwell in his presence for all eternity. Go to 1 Thessalonians. I know we know how well, but let's turn there. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 16 says, For the Lord himself shall ascend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Now there is a day coming when he will come back. He will take us home to glory and we will be with him for eternity. Now, when Christ comes back, we will receive a glorified body. A body that will know nothing of death, nothing of sickness, nothing of decay. We will be made incorruptible. We'll go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now, last passage this morning, 1 Corinthians 15. Verse 52, or starting verse 51, it says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. You see, because of Christ, there is a day coming when you and I will experience all eternal life in all of its fullness. Because you and I will be changed. We will receive an incorruptible body. We will put on immortality. As it says in 1 John, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. And you and I will experience the blessings of the eternal in all of its fullness with Christ, our everlasting Father. Now, what a day that will be. What a glorious day that will be. And beloved, it's all possible because Christ is the everlasting Father. That's the point of this title, these three little words, the everlasting Father. Christ came to reveal eternity unto us, and he came so that we might obtain eternal life. Praise God, Christ is the everlasting Father. Let's close in a word of prayer. Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word this morning. We thank you so much, Lord, for your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, the everlasting Father. And Lord, indeed, without Christ, we would have no idea of the eternal. Without Christ, how would we know you? And Lord, indeed, how would we obtain eternal life? And Lord, we thank you so much for all that he is and all that he has done. and Thank you so much that he is indeed the everlasting Father. May we Leave this place this morning singing your praises. Bring an honour back unto you, we pray in Jesus' name.